Thanks for joining us on Our Father's House's weekly podcast, A Place to Find God. Each week we bring you a sermon from our Sunday services where you can be uplifted and grow in Jesus on the go. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to ofhorangeburg.com. We'd love to get to know you. Now let's get to this week's message. That's it. Come on, give him a praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, that's it. Come on, tell him thank you. Praise your name, Jesus. Glory to God. Lift up those hands, if you would. Lift up those hands and say, Lord, let the river of my worship flow to you. Amen. Praise God. I don't know about you, but when I come to God's house, it is not just exclusively when I come to God's house, but I want it to be that everything about my life is presented before God. I, I don't live for myself, but my life is in his hands. Amen. And um, the river of my worship, it is not just my praises, but it's my life. And I want everything about my life to be presented before the Lord. We bless the Lord for another day in his presence. Amen. And for those of you that are here with us on today, we certainly thank God for you being in the house of the Lord with us on today, as well as those of you that are online. We always thank God for you joining in with us for our Sunday morning services. God has certainly been doing a great thing in our midst, and uh, um, we're excited not only about what he has already done, but we're also excited about what he is preparing for us because I believe that God is uh, uh, positioning us for something great. And um, I want to keep that before you because I believe that one of the uh, great attributes of a believer is the power of expectation. Uh, when you expect something from God, you position yourself in such a way that you receive it. And if you don't expect anything from God, then everything about your life, uh, spiritually or whatever, is just haphazard. If something happens, happens, whatever. But if you're expecting something from God, you're going to position yourself to receive those things that God has for you. How many believe that God has something special for you? Amen. I want to declare to you on today, if it has not dropped in your heart, I want to declare to you that God has something special for you. God has something in store for every one of us. And I believe that as we continue to move into the heart and the mind of God, we're going to see those things manifested in our lives. Father, we bless you on today. We thank you <clears throat> for just who you are in our lives. You're such an awesome God. And we bless your name today. We thank you for your faithfulness in our lives we thank you for your grace and your mercy god because if it had not been for your grace if it had not been for your mercy lord we would have been cut off a long time ago but i thank you today god that it's begin your it, it, it has been your mercy god that has brought us through some deep dark times and we bless you for that on today we thank you for your presence that we feel in the room on today we know god that you're here to do something so father we step back and ask you, Lord, to take the front and have your way. Speak to our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we yield to you right now in the name of Jesus. 
have your way. Cause our lives to come in alignment with your will and your purpose. That we will be those individuals that will please you, not when we are in church, but when we walk out of these four doors, or these two doors, and go to our places of residence, go to our places of work. Let our lives bring you glory and honor. We thank you for that, Lord, for it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Come on, somebody, tell the Lord thank you. Come on, that's it. Tell him thank you. I want you to do this. Look at somebody and tell them, say, it's good to see you on today. Now, let, let's do this. Let's do this because a lot of you said it to the person you came with. Look at somebody you didn't come to church with on today. Look at him and say, it's good to see you on this morning. Amen. Praise God. It's certainly good to see the people of God in the house of God. Uh, it's always good to see God's people. Amen. There's a song that said, it's good when the people of God get together. And uh, um, we certainly enjoy the presence of God when we come together in his house. I want to go to the word of God. I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but I want to go into the word of God, a word that God gave me on last week. And uh, we started with that word. But I want to go a little bit further in that word on today that God gave us. We were talking last week from this subject, from translation to transformation. And uh, um, I didn't get a chance to finish the lesson, so I want to sort of, you know, go further in it on today. But I want you to open your hearts to hear the heart of God concerning the body of Christ. Uh, if it's of us as believers is that we grow in him, okay? That we grow in him. That's very important that we embrace that as believers because if we don't grow in him, then we are not coming into the things that God hath ordained for us. Let's go into the word of God. The word of God speaks in Colossians, the first chapter and the eighth verse. Let's go there first. Colossians 1 and 8. Blessed to see my friends here on today. Amen. Amen. The Napoleonios. Praise God. We certainly thank God for you. Amen. On today. Colossians, the first chapter, <clears throat> the eighth through the thirteenth verse says, Who also declared unto us your love in the spirit. Talking about uh, one of Paul's fellow servants that came back and told him about the spiritual location of the people of God there in Colossae. And he said, who also declared unto us your love in the spirit. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 
strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who had delivered us from the power of darkness and had translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. I, I love the progression of this particular scripture because it allows us to see the heart of God for our lives. I want you to look at somebody and say, I want to know how God feel about me right now. It, it allows us to understand the heart of God for our lives. It starts out when Paul here is talking about uh, the message, uh, the report that he got back from his fellow servant concerning the church of Colossae. And he said, when I heard that, I immediately began to pray for you. Okay, I wasn't praying because you needed a miracle over here. I wasn't praying because you needed a financial blessing over here. I was caught in sin. He said, I began to pray for you that the will of God would be revealed to you in such a way now that you would be able to move into the fullness of what God had ordained for your lives. Now, I want you to see that because here, Paul here, in his expression to the church here, Colossae, he's also expressing the heart of God for us as believers. It is the will of God that every one of us uh, that love God, how many of you love God? It is the will of God that every one of us that love God, it is his will that we come into the full knowledge of his will for our lives. I cannot fulfill his will if I don't know his will. You got a lot of folk that's going to church, trying to do this, trying to do that, trying to do the other, but because they don't understand the will of God for their lives, they're hitting and missing. But how many of you don't want to be hitting and missing? I don't want to hit and miss. I want to be able to hit the bullseye by me understanding what the will of the Lord is. You have a child that you send them to do something and they don't understand. They come back and say, Mama, wait a minute. Uh, you know, let, let, could you explain to me? That's not negative. It's just that child wanting to understand what it really is that you want. So there's nothing wrong with us as believers going before God and saying, God, I want to understand what your will is for my life. Okay. Now, as we go further inside of this lesson on today, I, I want to uh, uh, um, help us to open our hearts to some things that God want to teach us. Let's go to Romans, the 12th chapter, a familiar passage of scripture. You can put it up on the screen, Romans, the 12th chapter. And um, the first verse, and we're going to read from the Amplified Version. Here, Paul is talking to the church at Rome. He said, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is what your rational and logical or intelligent act of worship. Okay. 
And he said, now, and do not be conformed to this world any longer with the, with the superficial values and customs, but be transformed or progressively changed as you mature spiritually by renewing your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in the plan and purpose that he has for you. Now, I want you to look at these particular scriptures because here it is expressing to us how God feels about us in our walk with God. Now, as I said earlier, we talked last week about from translation to transformation. Now, these are two very important words, and it's not just a play on words that we've chosen these two words because both of these words are very, very integral or important in our walk with God. You must go through a translation before you can endure or embrace a transformation. And we talk about a translation as we see here in the book of Colossians. We were translated from the kingdom of darkness. In other words, before salvation, we were under the control control and living in the kingdom of darkness or under Satan's control. But he said, now God in his mercy towards us, in his infinite plan that he has for our lives, he translated us out of that kingdom and placed us in his kingdom. Now let me show you now, that's very important that we understand this because now we begin to understand the purpose of God for our lives. It is his will that we come into the fullness of who he is for our lives. But he understood that that could not happen while we were in the kingdom of darkness. Okay. How many of you, before you got saved, you remember you, you, you tried to do good, but it lasted only for a while? Come on. Oh, you say, well, I'm going to change. I'm, I'm going to change. I, I don't like what's happening in my life. I'm going to change. And, and you, you, you did it for two, three hours or a day or so, but you found yourself right back here. Why? Because you were under the control or the dictatorship of Satan and the kingdom of darkness. But God said, now I have a will and a purpose for your life. So now in order for that to be fulfilled, I got to take you out of that kingdom. I got to take you out from under that control. And I got to place you in another kingdom, which is my kingdom. I translate you out of the kingdom of darkness and place you into the kingdom of light. And this is now where the work begins. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief in the Bible, in the body of Christ, uh, we feel that the translation uh, is the finished work, or we, that's it. But no, that's where the work begins. It really, that's where the work really begins. Oh, you, you understand? Because I've been translated. I changed location. But there are still some things in me that still haven't been changed. If I could do this, I want, to, I want to do this. I want us to understand the importance of the transformation here. Because while we were in the kingdom of darkness, the Bible tells us clearly in John the 8th chapter says, when Jesus was addressing those individuals that were challenging him, he said, now ye are of your father, 
the devil. You remember that? Romans 8, John 8, 44. And it is his lusts that you do. In other words, you're in this kingdom over here. The devil is your father, and you're living out his lusts. You think it's your thing, but in reality, the devil is pulling the strings, and you're living out his lust. Remember Romans 8, the 7th chapter, when Paul was talking about his condition? Paul said, when I would do good, what? Evil is always present with me. He said, I find out that the good that I want to do, I don't do. But the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. So Paul said, I came to a conclusion now that there was something working in me that was keeping me there. It wasn't just me, but there was something that was working in me. It was the control of the, of the kingdom of darkness. But I want us to see something here. You, you, you got to see this. While in the kingdom of darkness, the devil was not just pulling your strings as a puppet, okay? You know, said, okay, you know, Kofi, go do this, and, or Joyce, do this, which he was doing this. But I need you to see something else also. While in the kingdom of darkness, the devil was instilling in you influence. He was influencing your mind. He was influencing your way of thinking. Okay. Now, that's more than just getting you to do something. You see, I can get you to do something uh, 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 now, but that doesn't mean now that I've influenced your mind to the point now that you begin to embrace that as a way of life. You see, this is what the devil was doing while we were in his kingdom. You see, the devil, you, you, we, we say the devil is, 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 is dumb, but the devil is not as dumb as we think he is. The Bible calls him, and we talk about him in, in Ezekiel 28 chapter, he, the Bible said he is the sum of all wisdom. Okay, so the devil understands, and let me show you, he understands flesh. He understands flesh. So he understands now that while I have her, while I have her, you, you don't understand, I'm going to get her to do my biddings, but not only am I going to get her to do my biddings, I'm going to fashion her mind that she begin to think like me. Okay. She began to take on my ways. Let me show you something here. There are many things that the devil allowed us to, and, and, and I have to be careful in allowing us, but there are many things that the devil did in our lives before we got saved, okay, that fashioned our way of thinking. I want you to see this. This is very important. You may have gone through something as a child, unsaved, don't know God, and it hurts you. If it only hurts you and you live a couple of weeks later and it was gone, that's fine. But the devil in his wisdom began to fashion your mind now said, you know what? This type of thing hurts you. So you make sure that you never allow that type of thing to hurt you so what he does, he established a mindset. Look at your neighbor say, a mindset. A mindset means that he causes your mind to be set. 
that any time you encounter now anything that looks like what you have gone through over here, you already have a way of dealing with it. Okay, I, I need you to see this now. I need you to see this. Because there are many of us, we're born again believers, but there are things that the devil has fashioned in our minds as children, as young people, that we're still controlled by it right now. Our minds have been set. Child, you don't let nobody, you know, uh, uh, take advantage of you. You don't, you don't, you don't, you, you, you listen, you, you don't let her, you, you, you know, some folk, don't, don't let folk get so close to you. Don't let them get so close to you because they're going to hurt you just like this person hurt you when you were 12 years old. That's the mindset. Let me show you. I've been hurt. I've been taken advantage of. The devil tells me to put up a wall because you don't have to be hurt. You don't have to be taken advantage of. And every time you let the wall down, somebody's going to come and hurt you again. Okay. I'm saved. God has saved me and birthed me into the family. But I still have that wall that I won't let folk get but so close. Now, I need you to see this because this may seem like it's not important. But if I don't learn how to deal with those mindsets that are still controlling my behavior or my reactions or my responses in situations, they will interfere with my ability to walk in righteousness. Okay, I'm dealing with the situation uh, uh, that God is telling me to love uh, uh, Andrea. You, you, you know, this, this is God said, do this in her life. And, and, and I, I began to walk inside of the will of God. But then all of a sudden, I see something about Andrea that reminds me of what Joyce did to me 10 years ago. Okay. And because I formed a mindset now that, no, uh, you, you don't put yourself in that position again. Now, when I'm challenged by God to do this for Andrea, I'm going to cut it short. Why? Because I'm still controlled by this mindset that was formed in me before I got saved. Let me show you. And consequently, I can't grow into the thing that God has ordained for me because I'm still being controlled by these mindsets that the devil has formed in my life before we got saved. Okay. Now set all of that to get us to understand why there is a need for transformation. Translation is a change of spiritual location. In other words, I'm taken out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light. I'm released from the control or the power of Satan, and now I'm living under the power or the leadership or the direction of God in the kingdom of light by the power of the Holy Spirit. But let me show you something now. Translation is a power encounter. 
Okay. What do you mean, Bishop? I was in a bad shape over here. The devil was making a fool out of me. Okay. I needed God to save me. And when I called on the Lord, the power of God came in. And broke the captivity of Satan and translated me into the kingdom of God. That's a power encounter. I encountered the power of God. And the power of God made a difference in my life. But let me share something with you. While translation is a power encounter, transformation now is a personal encounter. What do you mean, Bishop? Okay, I can, and ha I can have a power encounter with God and things about my life could be changed. I could be sick and get a power encounter with God and God can heal me. Or I could be going through some situations financially and I call on God that God, you've given me a miracle and the power of God comes and work in my situation and give me a miracle. That's a power encounter. But just because I'm healed does not mean that I'm dealing with these mindsets now that have been controlling me. I could be healed and still controlled by the dictator of what the enemy had placed in my life before. So now, if I'm not transformed after I'm translated, I can still be over here, still acting like I was doing when I was over here. Come on. Too much in the church, in the body of Christ, and I need you to see God's heart. Too much in the body of Christ. We are in God's heart. We're on the Lord's side. Come on. But I say something to you, Shernette, and you go off on me. Come on, I, I need you to see this. You say it. If you ever going off on it, right, you don't have to say yes or no. I need you to see something here now. go off on somebody over here in the kingdom. Oh, you just caught me at a bad time, that's all. You just caught me at a bad time. So, you know, you know, be careful. And, 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 and by the way, you remember what you did so that you won't do it again because you may, you, you know, what am I doing? I'm creating an arena for me to continue to live in this mentality that I know that is contrary to the will of God. Do you feel, have you ever gotten mad with your husband? Don't have to say, you don't have to say yes. I just love to throw things out there just for, you know, give a thought. I ain't gonna say nothing, Sean. Now, I want you to see something. You see, because we have become too comfortable with just being saved. You try, oh, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I, I remember, you know, five years ago. I remember 10 years ago when I came to church and the preacher preached and had an altar call and I went to the altar and God saved me. 
But if you look at your life since salvation until now, how many of those mindsets that you walked in before you got saved that's still there, but that's just, you just caught me at a bad time. We'll uh, set up accommodations for our mentalities that's off. So consequently, we're not tra being transformed. I told you last week, when we talk about transform, translation is being, trans, uh, being moved from one place to the spiritual location to the next. But transformation means now that my character, everything about my life is being changed in such a way now that I'm becoming more and more like God. Okay. Y'all want me to finish this? We have to change our focus, y'all. We have to change our focus. If you can, uh, um, I, I know I gave it to you late. Put up Colossians, the third chapter. Colossians 3 and 1. It says here, if ye then be risen with Christ, that's still being interpreted if you're saved. You know, folks, well, I'm saved. Well, I know I'm saved. Well, I know I got the Lord on my side. Okay. Listen to what it says. It said, if that is true, if you then be risen with Christ, what does it say? Seek those things, what? Which are above. <laughs> then what the next verse say? Set your affections on things above and not on the earth. Let me show you here now. You see, because God said, you, you got to grow. You got to grow after you're saved. Now, don't get so caught up in being saved. He said, if you're born again now, I need you to change your focus. As I said earlier, the devil is shrewd. And the devil understands, and, and I've shared this in another lesson, the devil understands that a well-informed, knowledgeable, and growing believer is a threat to him, is a threat to his kingdom. He understands that. So now, because he lost you over here, does not mean that he's going to quit now because he lost you from his kingdom, but he does not want you to become informed as it relates to who you are now or what God has ordained for your life and how you can walk inside of that. He doesn't want you to come into that. So now what he's going to do, he's going to try to block everything that God has for your life over here. He's going to keep you thinking like this over here. That's why he fashioned those mindsets in you because he realizes if I, fight, if I take my time and fashion certain mindsets in her, okay, while she's over here, when she gets over here, all I've got to do is and the minute he dangles those things before you, your focus is going to go how I used to deal with those situations. Listen, I, I, you, you, you know, you, you don't, you don't, you, you know, folks, you don't believe it, so you don't know me. You, you, don't, you don't know me like you think you know me. Be careful. Because we have not allowed 
ourselves to be transformed or changed or grow in God. It is always the will of God for us to grow in him. It is always the will of God. That's God's primary focus for us as believers. The Bible said grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in him. It says in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, in the 15th verse, said that she may grow up into him in what? All things. It is God's will that we grow in him. Let me show you something here. After salvation, because the devil understands a lot of what God wants to do before you do, Okay, because let me show you something. You got saved, and the devil lost you, but you're not the devil's first rodeo. You've dealt with these type of folk before. Come on. He said, that's all right. Uh, give, give, it, give it three weeks. Give it three weeks. If she don't grow, if she don't really understand the will of God, if she don't learn how to tap into the resources that God has made available to her, I'll give her three weeks. She'll be right back here. Come on, I want you to see something. A believer that is not growing, okay, a believer that is not growing is vulnerable to the wilds of the devil. Okay. I don't care how much you rolled. I don't care how much you spoke in tongues. I don't care how great of a pastor or preacher you have that's preaching the word. If you are not growing, you see, I can preach the word, but if you're not taking that word and applying it, you're not growing. So now if you're not growing in God, you still become vulnerable to the wilds of the devil. Why is that true? Because you have not learned how to use the thing that God has made available to you now, now to ward off. You see, the, the devil is still going to come. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you that right now. Just because you say it does not mean the devil is uh, I'm finished. You don't say, oh, I lost her. I lost him. So uh, no, no, no. As I said earlier, that's when the real battle begins. And the devil said, okay, I, I, I know, uh, I remember when Shernette was 15 years old, and she dealt with this situation, and I fashioned her mind, so I always got that to go back to. I always got that to go back to. Uh, I, 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 I understand, you know. <laughs> the devil has the power, let me show you that. The devil had the power to create personality traits in us. What do you mean, Bishop? I never forget me. This is me here now. As a child growing up, I developed a personality trait of inferiority. I had an inferiority complex. Uh, um, feeling ill-equipped 
you, you know, I want, I want you to see this here. Low self-esteem. That wasn't just something that just happened. Those are personality traits that the devil was forming in me. Okay. I got saved. Born again. Come on. Speaking in tongues. But the devil knew that because those traits were formed in me over here, he knew I got him over here. Whenever I need to get him, I'm going to put him in a situation now that he feels ill-equipped. I'm going to tell him, I'm going to remind him that you're inferior to these. I struggled with that. I struggled with that for years and years in my life after being saved, after being born again, after, be, after preaching the word of God. Because that mindset was in me that was uh, got, getting in certain situations. And I feel, oh, God, I'm not as good as this person. I'm not. Come on. The Bible says, and uh, um, Let's, let's go here first. Let's go before we go there. Let's go here. Let's go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter first. Let's go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Here Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus. In reality, this is basically the same word that he spoke to the church at Colossae. If you read the Gospels, if you read the books that Paul wrote, you'll find out that a lot of those truths that Paul may have spoken to one church, he spoke some of the same truths to other churches. Why? Because truth is relative. Truth, the truth is always appropriate. So now he said now to the church of Ephesus, church of Ephesus, he said, so I, the prisoner of the Lord, appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That is, to live a life that exhibits godly character, okay? Moral courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior, a life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation. Now, he didn't just say, now you get happy just because you're saved. He said, now after you're saved, I implore you. I beg you, I beseech you now that you embark upon the journey of living a life that is pleasing to God. Look at it and say, with all humility, forsaking self-righteousness and gentleness, maintaining self-control with patience, bearing with one another in love, in unselfish love. This is God's heart for us. God does not want us to be saved and stuck. Okay. A lot of believers are saved and stuck. What do you mean, Bishop? They saved, but they're stuck on blessings. Oh, I say, and I know God said, you know, he'll bless me, so, so that's where I'm going to live. I'm going I'm to reside in this blessing vein now, you, you know. 
they have not availed themselves to the real purpose of God. Let me show you, let me show you something. God wants you to be blessed. Look at somebody and say, God wants you to be blessed. And then, then now I'm going, you know, at some point I, God's going to give me to teach on that word bless. Because, see, a lot of time our connotations of bless is not the same connotation that God calls bless. We think being blessed means I'm getting a new job, a new car, I'm getting increase, increasing my finances, and all of those things. But we'll, we'll deal with that in another. I'm, I'm going to deal with y'all's understanding of blessed, okay? We feel that salvation is God placing me in an arena now that I can be blessed, and I get stuck right there. God want to bless me. God want to increase my income. God want to give me more possessions. And it does not mean that God does not want to do that. Now, understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that he doesn't want to do that. But I want you to understand something. That's not God's priority for your life. It's not the first order of business that God has for you when he brings you into the kingdom. Okay, I'm going to make sure that I bless her, I bless her, I bless her. No, no, God said, I have an agenda for her life. Now, let me show you something here now. You remember Elijah? God had a purpose for Elijah's life. The Bible said Elijah grew up in a place called Gilead, a place that was, you know, set apart. He wasn't uh, in the metropolis area where he had access to a whole lot of things. He more or less grew up in a rural area. But in that rural area, Elijah learned God. Okay. <laughs> but then it came to a point now that because of what was going on in Israel with King Ahab, God spoke to Elijah while he was in his rural Gilead and said, go to Israel and give a message to Ahab. Okay. You all know the story. He came to Ahab and said, now God said this, and I don't have to, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but God said this. He said, God said, you know, because of where you've moved spiritually, you moved away from God. Because see, Ahab was the king of Israel now. He wasn't just some king out there. He was the king of Israel, God's people. But he said, now because of what you've done, God said it's not going to rain in the span of three and a half years. Okay. Now, I want you to see something. That was awesome that Elijah was able to declare that word to Ahab. Never, never get to the place that because I did something mighty for God, that I'm great now. That I'm, I'm okay. Oh, I, oh, oh, I, oh, you see, I stood to Ahab and I told him, so that means I, no, there were still some things that God had to work out in Elijah. God didn't put him on this blessing plan and say, because you did that, I'm going to give you a brand new chariot. I'm going to give you one of the houses over here in, in suburban Israel now because you know God told him, said, all right, Elijah, I want you to get up and go down to the brook Cherith. 
you're going to be by yourself. Elijah dwelt at the brook church for over a year, about a year. And listen to what they said. He said, I'm going to command the raven to feed you. I'm not going to give you a lavish lifestyle. If Elijah said, oh, wow, I did this now, so God's going to bless me. You, you, you see, listen, listen, listen. We misappropriate uh, 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 what we feel we understand about God and try to get God to marry himself to what we believe. But see, we got to understand that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives a lot of time that far exceeds our finite uh, uh, comprehension. And if we would just stay before God, God will reveal himself to us. God is not just concerned with your being blessed. God is concerned with you fulfilling his purpose. So now he said, now what I want you to do, I want you to give yourselves over to the growing process. There is more. Look at your neighbor and say, there is more. There is more than just salvation. There is a life after salvation that we must embark upon. And if we don't do that, we will find ourselves still vulnerable and easily uh, 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 deceived and misguided by the wiles of the devil. I said earlier, and I got that from somebody else. It wasn't something that I came up with. I, I heard Pastor Nicky said this a couple of weeks ago when he was here, anniversary. He said, power encounter sets me free. Personal encounter transforms me. I'm going to say that again. Power encounters set me free. Remember I told you about power? I can have a power encounter. I can need a miracle. God can give me a miracle. That sets me free from that condition. Okay, I'm not saved. I need a power encounter with God. God saves me and set me free from the captivity of Satan. Okay, I'm going through some financial difficulties, and I just need God to come through for me. And God works some things out and set me free. Those are power encounters that sets us free. But I need to see personal encounters transforms me. God is not just concerned with you being set free. He is concerned also with you being transformed. After I have that power encounter and God, well, how many of us uh, God work a miracle for us and oh God, I thank you. I thank you God worked this miracle for me and you go back to doing your same old things. Come on. And when another time comes, oh, God, oh, God, I need you to pray with me. God, I need you out of work. And you want another power encounter from God. And God comes in and works. Oh, God, I thank you. And you will praise God for one day. And right back. Come on. But he said, now, personal encounter. Look at your neighbors say personal encounter. Personal encounter transforms me. If you want to be changed into the image of God, which is his will for your life. If you want to really become more and more like Jesus in your walk. Okay. If you want to be more and more a, 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 a representation of the character of God 
in your life, in your, in your everyday situation, on your job. How many of you want to be more and more like Jesus on your job? You, you see, we can say that easily in the church. Come on. But on your job, and you're being challenged. You say, God, God, help me to be more and more like you, God. God, I want to be. Come on. Let me show you this here. That don't just come by me having power encounters. Power encounters should position me to engage in personal encounters. Personal encounters. Look at your neighbors of personal encounters. Personal encounters is when I spend time getting to know you. Come on. When I spend time, oh, we, we don't want, when I say we, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the body of Christ. You know, a lot of us only want to know God when we have situations, we have difficulties. But God said, if you were to really engage in a personal encounter with him, those mindsets, that the enemy formed in you as a child, the personal encounters will help break them. See, because inside of my personal encounters with God, I get to learn God's heart and God's mind. Come on. My power encounters most often is just for me, something I want. Personal encounters is what God wants from you. Spend some time with me. God said, spend some time with me. There's some things about you, Sernette. God said, that you still don't understand yet as it relates to what I want for you. Spend some time with me and I'll show you. I'll show you. But that comes through personal encounters with God. Spending time with God. Oh, I come to church. <laughs> How many folk, their encounters with God is only coming to church on Sunday mornings? Come on. The devil, the devil don't care about you coming to church. Not that much. If he knows that when you leave those doors, he's going to dangle dangle those things before you and you're going right back. But a personal encounter, a personal encounters with God is when I say, God, I, God, I want to get to know you. God, I want to understand what your will is for my life. God, there's some things about me, God, that I may not even understand that are still interfering with your will for my life. God, order my steps, direct my path. Those things in me, God, that are still fighting against your will, God, break them and destroy them. Let me give you three things, and I'm going to close with this. Personal encounters with God includes spending time in God's word. Let me show you. 
you spending time in God's word. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to spend time in God's word. That don't mean you come to church and hear the word, which is good because a lot of times the words you hear from church give you some directions. But personal encounter with God is you spending time with God in his word. You see, because there's some things that God can speak to you when you're studying the word of God by yourself that you won't get by while preaching the pulpit behind this pulpit. You know, he said to Peter, he, through Peter, he said, as newborn babes, what? Desire the sincere milk of the word. Why? That you may grow thereby. <laughs> if you want to grow, spend time in the word. Spend time reading God's word. Asking God to pull back the veil of his word so that you may be able to understand what his will is for your life. We are being controlled by the pseudo-religious mentality of God that is totally contrary to the will of God for our lives because we don't take time to spend time in his word for ourselves. Paul told the church in the book of Acts, he said, now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. In other words, I give you over to God and to the word of his grace which is able to what? Build you up. The word of God is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified. I don't want you to get so caught up on me as a preacher that you put me before the word of God. He said, Paul said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. When you leave listening to me, you spend some time with the word because it is able to build you up. Then the second thing is after spending time in his word, let, let, me, let me make sure I get that right for you. <clears throat> okay. Spending time in prayer. Okay. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you here or either online have a prayer life? Okay? Have a prayer life. Having a prayer life does not mean that you got to spend an hour in prayer every day. Having a prayer life is having the lines of communication constantly open between you and God because prayer is communication with God. Okay. That's why the Bible said men ought always to pray. You ought to always have uh, your lines of communication open between you and God. I don't know about you, but there are sometimes I'm going through the day and I just need God some, some instruction. I said, God, show me. God, God, you speak to my heart concerning this. I don't have to spend five, ten minutes in prayer, but because the line is always open, you know, I, I can communicate with God. And a lot of times God will communicate back to me. Come on. It's prayer. Let me show you. Spending time in the word should inspire me to pray. Okay. Because it shows me how to pray. It lets me know what to pray for. There are some things that I don't even pray about because I know what the word says about it. Okay? 
I know what the word says, so I, I, don't, I don't pray about certain things. And then the third thing here that I want us to focus on in our transformation process is developing and nurturing a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You'd be surprised how many believers that don't have any kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit at all. Your only relationship with the Holy Spirit is every now and then you speak in tongues. Come on. But it is imperative. It is of utmost importance that you as a believer Take time to nurture and develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? You remember when Jesus was getting ready to leave? The 13th, 14th, and 15th chapter of St. John, and the 16th chapter, he said, it is important for you that I go away because if I go away, I'm going to send you a comforter, which is what? The Holy Spirit. In other words, he was telling them, you, 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 you know, you've been following me for three and a half years, but you can't make it any further without the Holy Spirit. He's your guide. He's your strength. He's your confidant. The Holy Spirit knows my heart. He said, now he's going to reveal to you the things that I've spoken. The Holy Spirit knows the will of God. I don't care what you face during the day. The Holy Spirit knows how to handle it. There's never a time that the Holy Spirit is not aware of how to handle situations in your lives. But if I don't nurture a relationship with the Holy Spirit, I will find myself trying to live life on my own, dealing with situations based on my intellect, dealing with situations a lot of time based on the customs of the world, and I'll find myself coming short. Why? Because I'm not being led by the Holy Spirit. The Bible said they that are led by the Holy Spirit, they are the sons of God. If I shout it to your side, well, I'm not, I'm not going to get you. Come, 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 Shrinette, I'll use you. They say, he said, they that are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. How I long to be like him. That's your desire. But if you don't learn how to nurture a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you won't be like him. They that are led. Mm, by the Spirit. Not, let me show you, not they that command the Holy Spirit to do their biddings. You see, you got folk that go, all right, Holy Spirit, you go handle that. No, no, no. You see, the Holy Spirit may have an agenda from God that is totally contrary to what your flesh wants. Come on. And if you will allow the Holy Spirit to speak, you find yourself manifesting the character of God. You can, you can be seated. God wants us to grow up into him.
He wants our character, our behavior, our lifestyle to reflect him. My driving a Bentley does not necessarily reflect God. I know a lot of folk, but I don't know them, but I mean, there are a lot of folk out there that's driving Bentleys, Mercedes, Lamborghinis, and all of those things that have no kind of relationship with God at all. But when I walk in the character of God, when I deal with life's situations by the leading of the Holy Spirit and manifest the love, the kindness, the patience, the gentleness, the meekness, the long-suffering of God, then God said, that's what brings me glory. Production comes from spiritual growth. Okay, let me say that again. Fruit production comes from spiritual growth. Just because I plant an orange tree does not mean that the oranges are going to bear tomorrow. It has to grow. Not only does it have to grow, it has to be nurtured and fed. There are times when there are different uh, 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 things that would attach itself to that tree that will uh, interfere with its growth. God puts in place individuals that can go out and see. All right, let me put some insecticide on this. Let me put some things over there because if I don't do it, it's going to kill the production. There are many times, many of us as believers, we don't realize the things that are in our lives that are interfering with our growth. And we wonder, God, why, 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 why I keep falling short? Why I keep coming short? Why I keep... God said, because you're not growing. Fruit production comes from what? Spiritual growth. Somebody lift your hand and say, I want to be like Jesus. If that's your desire, if it's not, you don't have to. That comes through growth. That comes through you giving yourself over to the word of God. Spending time with God in prayer. Learning how to follow the leading and the dictates of the Holy Spirit. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, I bless you today for your word. I, I thank you, God, for reminding us of your heart for us as believers and Father endeavoring to place some checks and balances in our lives 
so that we won't wander off or wander away from those things that you have ordained for us. <clears throat> Father, many of us, Lord, have been walking contrary to your will and your purpose. But I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would awaken something in us, in our spirits. God, that will compel us to really engage in the transformation process. Hey, God. You're trying to bring forth fruit through our lives. You want us to be a reflection of you in the earth, on our jobs, in our homes. I pray right now, God, that you would allow this word that we are hearing today and even other words that you have in your scripture, allow them, Lord, to take root in our hearts and bring forth fruit unto righteousness. I pray right now, God, by Jesus Christ, that every mindset that have opposed your will in our lives would be destroyed. And God, that our minds and our hearts would be set on you and your will. That we would trust you, God, that you know what's best for us, even concerning our natural desires, natural needs. You know what's best for us. Help us to trust you with that, Lord. I pray right now, God, that you would move in our hearts by Jesus Christ. Increase our knowledge of you. Increase our knowledge of you. Mm, mm. Increase our hunger for the knowledge of you. And our willingness to surrender to the knowledge that you feed into us. I bless you right now. I commit these people into your hands right now. And I declare that growth will take place in their lives. In the name of Jesus. Somebody said, lift your hand and said, in the name of Jesus, I receive what God has for my life. Thank you, God. Bless God, you may be seated. How many thank God for the word on today? How many thank God? How many, how many are understanding? Again, we thank God for all of you that are here on today and if there's anything that um, drives me as a minister of the word of God is to get us, the body of Christ, to understand the will of God for our lives. Understand and embrace his will. 
I've been saved over 50 years, and that's not a a banner that I well, you know, you know, because you can be saved 100 years, but if you're not walking in Christ, it doesn't matter. But I've been saved over 50 years, and I've had the opportunity to see stagnated believers in the body of Christ that have all of the forms of religious, a religion, but their lives don't measure up. Come on. Uh, I'm not talking about those denominations out there sometimes that you know. I'm talking about what we call holy folk. Come on. We too, we too can get caught off course or misled by improper knowledge of the way. So it's, it's, it's my heart, it's my heart's desire that as a minister of the word of God, I want to be able to minister the truth of God to the people of God in such a way that we can grow into the things that God has ordained for our lives. Amen. We know that you were blessed by today's message. We have to not only be listeners of the Word of God, but also doers. To find out what your next steps may be, simply go to ofhorangeburg.com forward slash next. Come again next week where we will make sure you have a place to find God.